0: right, Eric, I'm excited about this one. This one's right in my wheelhouse.
1: I apologize for being late. (laughs) That's all right. How's it going? It's good. Because of a bomb threat today, I was able to go see Avengers Endgame.
0: Oh, okay. So
1: that's that's why I'm late. Oh,
0: that's exciting. Yeah. Did it close the whole school down?
1: It closed the whole school down, and that meant I had time to go see Endgame.
0: Wow, my kids don't go to that school, or else they would have been out, too. That's true.
1: Yeah. A block away, and it's a totally different world.
0: Okay. Well, this isn't going to turn into an Endgame review, but... But it's not irrelevant <laughs> because today we're talking about space aliens. That's right, aliens. <laughs> okay, but before we do that, okay, um, and I'm really excited too. Um, uh, we got, we have, we we have, a, we have a correction. To a sure. correction. Oh yeah. dear. Yes. I
1: didn't realize we were
0: fallible. You know, we, we have a bit of fallibility, and that's okay. Um, so la- from last week's episodes, um, uh, we got. I mean, someone was listening to it, and they texted me right in the middle of, of listening. Oh. <laughs> okay? And they said one of the things that Carol Lynn Pearson wanted to change, right? Yes. Which was the sealing ceremony. Yes. That's been changed. Oh, really? That was part. That was part 80. of the
1: changes. That yeah. I, because Oakland Temple is closed, and I'm too lazy to drive to Sacramento, I don't know any of these things. That's right. <laughs> I
0: feel the exact same way. Um, equally lazy, I believe. Wait,
1: so specifically... Um, the give-receive. The, the give receive thing yeah. so is it both
0: give and receive
1: or is it only or both receive? both
0: receive but I don't know for sure
1: honestly I'm fine with either,
0: either yeah. one so um st- you know one out of three so far yeah that's, that's impressive yeah um, I've had some more time to think about uh my opinion on it yes but this isn't the time to do it the, okay but um I didn't want but we may want to revisit it because I've gotten a lot of feedback from different people and some feedback has made me has made me consider new and interesting things and some has reinforced what i what i read out of the book so it's been it's been a, a good journey yeah.
1: tomorrow we're doing section 132 in seminary so okay so i'm excited go. to find out what comes out of my mouth <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay we'll break a leg um <laughs> yeah, a i may well <laughs> a proverbial <laughs> seminary leg um okay so that's anyway that's our that's our uh, correction and our update so that's very fun so um if we were more righteous, we would have already known this. I know, right? It yeah, is, it is a bit.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a bit. Everyone ambition. knows. Everyone knows the truth about us now. <laughs> that we're not
0: the kind of people that will drive to Sacramento. That's
1: right. <laughs> so far, and it's such a terrible drive, Aaron. It's so boring. Oh, I hate driving to Sacramento. absolutely. It worst. doesn't feel like it should be that far, but it
0: feels so far. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, there are ancestors who had to travel. <laughs> yeah, they don't know the what it's like to uh
1: yeah they didn't have to go to Sacramento. They've never
0: been on the on the I-80. Um no offense to Sacramento.
1: No no it's not Sacramento that's the problem. It's the drive to <laughs> Sacramento that's the problem.
0: <laughs> um uh Eric.
1: Yes. What do you Aaron? know
0: about um Fermi?
1: Um he's dead.
0: Yeah, wait. He's dead. been dead
1: for a while, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So I have a couple paradoxes in my head, and I intended to look them up, but I was watching Endgame, so I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. So, so uh, is, Fermi, is Fermi is Fermi is this paradox the one where um, if the universe is infinite and it's there and there's alien intelligent life out there, then it's inevitable that we would have heard from them by now? Is that Fermi?
0: That's the idea. Is okay. that this guy? Right, his name was Enrico Fermi. And he wasn't the first person. We're going to be using Wikipedia a lot for this one. I
1: love Wikipedia. Okay, it, is, so. it is some of the most solid evidence that God shouldn't destroy us yet. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, so um, you know, Enrico Fermi was having lunch and with some friends of his. And as Sounds part of a nice this guy. conversation, um, the, he, he, he asked a question that is misremembered by the oh, three different people naturally. that are there. So they all oh, great. report a different okay. version of the story. It's not like They're probably
1: all three true in the same, <laughs> and you know, in some universe. That's yeah.
0: right, all in some different universe. So the question was, where is everybody?
1: Meaning all those intelligent life forms out there. Yeah,
0: where is everybody? So if you have as many suns as we can see, as many stars that we can observe, right? right? how come we haven't heard from anybody yet? And so it's that's it's called a paradox, which some people would disagree with.
1: I am not going to nitpick that myself. Okay.
0: But the, it's two two senses. The, the galaxy should be teeming with life, but we haven't heard from any of them, right?
1: Uh, pop quiz. Yeah. How are, are you good? Are you ready for a paradox question? Sure. Which paradox is the one that suggests that if the universe is infinite, the night sky should be solidly oh. stars and yeah. no darkness?
0: And That one's fairly. Fairly well resolvable. Though.
1: Yes, that that one's solved. But do you remember the name? I don't the name. I don't <laughs> know if it has a name. You failed me. No, sorry. I don't that's okay. To, I don't mean to. We've fail. already established fallibility, so that's okay. <laughs> that's
0: right. That's not, that's not an issue. So, um, where is everybody? Now, of course, this question—the mm-hmm. reason why I want to talk about it—is because uh, uh, our teachings in the LDS Church are mystical along these Our
1: nights. cosmology is very alien-friendly.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. Yes. And it offers some solutions to the, to the Fermi... It offers some solutions to the Fermi Paradox. Does it? Fun, that are fun to talk about. Oh, yeah.
1: I, I would say it supports the uh, the question of the Fermi Paradox without resolving them. So I'm interested to see where you see the resolution.
0: Okay, that's great. Um, where should we start? Well,
1: um last time we talked a little bit about um sort of how polygamy infects the mormon imagination yeah and i think this idea does too Mm -hmm. um as a teenager i wanted to write a novel which i called interplanetary missionary which i never wrote more than a couple pages of because i really didn't know what i was doing with this problem but the idea was um NASA was testing an interplanetary spaceship. They were testing it with a a married couple, which was what they were probably going to be sending. And then Earth is destroyed for some reason. I don't know why. Anyway, they can't go back, and so they they have to go without the full complement of staff. And and it's just this married couple who happened to be LDS. And um, they learn in their journeys that they've been sent on a mission, really, by the Lord to go to intelligent creatures elsewhere where people aren't necessarily created in the image of the Creator. but. But they're still great. his children.
0: That's great sci-fi.
1: Yeah, and uh, it never happened. Yeah. But my point is that I think that idea is in our imagination.
0: Well, you know, um, the Expanse, which is a famous yes. sci-fi TV show, Leviathan Wakes, Leviathan book wakes, one,
1: right? Very famous. It's great. I haven't read it. It's. There, I watched it's, the first episode of the TV show. It was good, but I haven't gone back to watch more. It's a fantastic. I don't like TV show watching TV alone. Nobody else wants to watch it. A
0: uh, set of books, and. Um, there is and Mormons feature prevalence. So I hear it. That's
1: why I feel like I really gotta someday get someone to watch it with me because That's right. I wanna see the spaceship Nauvoo.
0: That yeah, Nauvoo is the name of the big uh, world ship and the Mormons are leaving the sor- solar system. They are That sounds like us. They're that doesn't end. <laughs> Yeah, We've had enough. <laughs> so um, so yeah, they're building a ship and they are and I, I never looked up if the authors of this book were LDS or not, but they, they are not. But they okay, great. Yeah. And so, but they nail it though. I've heard it's of, pretty good. Yeah, I've yeah, heard it's, it's one of the better examples. Yeah, there's missionaries in the book. Um, there are, you know, the at one point you see Nauvoo's. Like flight deck, right? Mm -hmm. And it's got angels painted in the background, like Moroni angels. (laughs) Yeah, feels kind of celestial, right? Nice. (laughs) It's very, very nicely done. It's literally
1: celestial. It is in the sky. It's in the sky, (laughs) and it's
0: flying away, right? Um, Fermi's paradox is oftentimes paired with Drake's equation. Okay.
1: okay, tell me about Drake.
0: Drake is, um, uh, I thought his name was Francis Drake, but here on Wikipedia That's a they different call him, dude. They call him, oh right, that's a different dude. That's okay. a different
1: dude. That's the guy
0: that has roads named after him in Marin. Okay, so Frank Drake, Dr. Frank Drake, okay. Um, Frank Drake,
1: his name is Frank? This that's pretty close trigger. to Francis. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Dr. Frank Drake. um that's a great name, actually. worked out this equation as part of the first meeting for SETI. Oh, Church okay. The for Extraterrestrial Life. Which the article I, did, I couldn't I find was about SETI. Okay, so I, couldn't, I didn't actually know this, um, but that's why he worked it out. He worked it out as prep. He was trying to come up with an agenda for the meeting. Okay. This was in 1961.
1: It was that long ago? Yeah,
0: 1961. Wow. And there, it was... Wow, the Cub Scouts are really doing something. Yeah, they're pounding away up there. Um, in 1961, it was the first meeting, and they wanted an agenda. And so he came up with this equation, right? And the equation is useful because it drives conversation. Right. Not because the equation itself should be thought of as something mathematically r- rigorous.
1: Gotcha. All okay. Right. I can understand. I'm reading um, a book right now about Ryman's hypothesis about some math I don't really understand. Uh, uh, like, uh, I can follow it while I'm reading it, but, like, don't ask me 12 seconds later. I can't explain it. But, but right. um, yeah, here I'm, the, I'm familiar with this, this manner of thinking.
0: Okay. N. I love N. My favorite the number. the number of civilizations in our galaxy. Okay. With which communication might be possible? Might be. As in, they're within, like we could get to. Them. We could maybe. Like within, make, we could maybe hear them. Okay. So they were focused on radio so, so transmissions. So
1: radio transmissions wouldn't degrade so much that right. we could still hear them. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, um, or whatever you can you can expand this to be whatever, right? I mean, n is the number of civilizations that sure. are that are, so that are. That Okay. Whatever. So the way we get n is by multiplying a bunch of constants together. Okay, right? and the constants are the rate of star formation in the galaxy. Okay, so this just tells us how many stars there are. Sure, right? Um, this
1: is—I suppose that includes like negative, like stars that fail, also, right? Like sure. sort of like both creation and destruction. And yeah,
0: the idea is there's tons of stars.
1: There are right? a lot. So we as start I with a
0: huge amount of stars. Mm-hmm. Just, yes. Um, mind-bogglingly right. large amount. There are a lot of stars, and then we reduce that number by a bunch of fractions. Mm-hmm. The fraction of those stars that have planets.
1: Which is becoming a bigger fraction a all the bigger, time.
0: A bigger fraction all the time. The average number of planets that can support life. Which, who knows? Who knows? All right. If the planet can support life, um, how many actually get life? <laughs> Which are two different numbers. Which is
1: a, uh, an interesting question.
0: uh uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the, okay. So, if they develop life, how many develop intelligent life? Right. Okay. If, the intellig- if they um, are intelligent... How many of them develop a technology that could release signals into the into the, sure. into the galaxy? Maybe
1: some of them are more satisfied than us. Yeah,
0: maybe some of them just don't care. Are happy with
1: fireside chats and don't need anything more.
0: That's right. And then the length of time at which they do so.
1: Meaning the length their civilization survives. Right. Got it.
0: Okay, so all of those numbers together is, gives you, uh, when you multiply all that together, you get a number, which is the number of civilizations in the planet. In the in the galaxy. Okay.
1: Okay. Can I tell you my first problem right now?
0: Okay. But let me give you the, what the number was. Oh. In, okay. In 1961. In 1961. Okay. In 1961, um, they worked out. All right. Um, Wait. How did they even decide what the fractions were? Okay. So that they had like guesswork. It is. Well, it was all guesses. But that's this whole conversation launched the field of astrobiology. Okay. The whole
1: point was yeah. just to have a guess. Get it started. A hypothesis you can disprove.
0: That's right. Um, and so at the time, they came up between a thousand and a hundred million <laughs> civilizations. <laughs> we to play it safe, guys. <laughs> because they came up with, because all of these numbers have rate have ranges, right? Sure. Yeah. So, for example, they guessed that one fifth to one half of all stars formed would have planets. Okay, yeah. that so seems difference
1: pretty ambitious for sixty-one, based on what I've read.
0: But so, but the difference between one fifth and one half is when you're significant. Millions upon millions of it's stars, a big number, yeah. Is a huge range, and so that's why you end up with this range between yeah. When you best.
1: multiply all the tiniest fractions versus multiplying all
0: the biggest fractions. Okay, so your first problem.
1: So my here's my big problem with any of these kind of conversations yeah. is. They are inherently chauvinistic, assuming life will be like us. Assuming yeah. life will be carbon-based, assuming life will have the same goals that we have, the same kind of ambitions we have.
0: Well, this initial, I mean, I have a response to that, because this initial equation didn't cover any of that. But right. Later, they've reworked it quite a bit. I believe that. One yeah. of the variables that was introduced later, it's described here um, called METI, okay? Which, I don't know um, that. Okay, Alexander Zaitsev said that... Ah, oh, Zaitsev. Zaitsev, of course. Oh, that's a great name. <laughs> okay, he, which would he called the messaging to extra, extraterrestrial intelligence factor. All right? Messaging to extraterrestri- extraterrestrial... Wait, say it again. Okay, messaging to extraterrestrial intelligence. All right, it is... Okay. ...the fraction of communicative civilizations with clear and non-paranoid planetary consciousness... Which is lovely. We're gonna. Mm. Which is okay. Or alternatively expressed, the fraction of people that actually will try. Okay. Sure. And so if we don't understand what kind of life could be out there. Maybe, as you said, maybe lots of them wouldn't even care.
1: Yeah. You want a fun bit of? You want a fun bit of trivia for a moment? Um. Yeah. So, I are, are you strike me as the sort of person who might watch more Doctor Who than I watch.
0: I don't watch any Doctor me Who. Me neither. Hey. <laughs> and um, to all our listeners that are about to turn off the podcast. <laughs>
1: I'm not anti-Hoovian, I just, I can only care about so many things. Yeah,
0: yeah, this is, so, pretty, much, this is pretty much it.
1: Yeah, but uh, as you probably know, even though you don't care, <laughs> um, early, like Doctor Who's been going on long enough that early episodes were not taped, right? It was pre-taping, like,
0: right, they, they were, were just, right, and a
1: lot of the early tapes were destroyed, mm-hmm. and so there are big holes but mysteriously, yeah. some early episodes of Doctor Who have been bouncing back off of something, returning to Earth, oh, and they've been recording them.
0: Okay, well, this sounds like science fiction that you're describing.
1: I know, <laughs> I know, it does. Isn't that fun, though? No, I'm not joking. This is real. But
0: okay, let me. Um, I'm going to
1: assume aliens like Doctor Who. I'm going to assume they do too. Yeah. <laughs> of course. That
0: was the premise of Contact, right? That they got yeah, more, um, which is one of my they favorite got third movies. eye blind and and were like uh, they let's share the, with you first. Um, broadcast uh-huh. from it was, Earth. Was it Lucy? It was not. No.
1: What? Oh, don't tell me. I I haven't seen this movie since I was a teenager. But the first thing. Oh, it was it was JFK. Nope. No, damn it. Back I don't remember. The I first guess.
0: broadcast from Earth was um, the Nazis televised the oh. Olympics. Oh. Oh, jeez. Okay. And so that went into space. Jesse Owen. Mm-hmm. Let's R- America. Yeah. America <laughs> yeah. won <laughs> yeah. those no. Olympics. And so um, the the signal in contact encoded that. They Uh, they didn't know what it was, so they sent it back to us, right?
1: With with prime numbers hidden inside, right? I remember liking that
0: movie. I've been thinking I need to rewatch it. When they decoded it, of course, in the movie. Question, which is better,
1: Contact or Arrival?
0: Oh, that's a great question. I love Arrival. It's a great movie. It's one of my favorites. And I've seen it more recently, The Contact, so I like it better, but uh, I've been wondering. You know, I bet you Arrival's a better movie. Yeah. Just because it's made with a more modern sensibility, and its focus on language is really interesting. I I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And Contact, when you watch it, um, it's really, really good. But the ending, and the ending, I think, is really, really good, I don't know, something more concrete feeling about Arrival. Yeah, Like it feels more like an alien consciousness. All All right. Right. I, have to, Watch I need both to rewatch movies. It. Yeah, I need They're to rewatch fantastic. both at some point. Within, I'll do that this
1: summer, don't let me forget.
0: Quoting Wikipedia and props to whoever wrote this, within the limits of our existing technology, any practical search for distant intelligent life must necessarily be a search for some manifestation of a distant technology. For about fifty years, the Drake equation is after about fifty years, the Drake equation is still of seminal importance because it is a roadmap of what we need to learn in order to solve this fundamental existential question. Right. It also, wait, wait. It's okay, sorry, it I have also a question, but I can wait. The backbone of astrobiology as a science, like I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. although speculation is entertained to give context, astrobiology concerns itself with hypotheses that fit firmly into existing scientific theories. Some 50 years of SETI have failed to find anything, even though radio telescopes, receiver techniques, and computational abilities have improved enormously since the 1960s. But it has been discovered at least that our galaxy is not teeming with very powerful alien transmitters (laughs) continuously broadcasting... Directly at us. Yeah, near the (laughs) 21-centimeter hydrogen frequency, and no one could say that in 1961. (laughs) Well, good, we've uh, narrowed it down. (laughs) Of the infinite possibilities, we've (laughs)
1: subtracted one. That's right.
0: (laughs) So, um, fantastic article on Wikipedia about the Drake equation, and um, I've always been fascinated by it
1: you had a comment oh yeah i was gonna say it's the idea that we're looking for distant technology because as i understand it the original goal of seti was to look for something aliens were sending out right like intentionally yeah and and maybe it was more like their nazi olympics where it's something they were sending out intentionally but it wasn't really directed at us yeah or maybe it was something directly looking for us that's also a possibility yeah but there's another interesting possibility where i i'd, I'd don't have the terminology, the proper terminology, and if you've read about this, you can sound more intelligent than me, mm-hmm. but um, one of the ideas is, and again, this is a chauvinistic idea, thinking about humans and the way we devour resources. chauvinistic the right word? I am choosing to use that word okay. because I think it has the connotation that I want to use. You're talking
0: more like humanistic
1: yeah but humanistic has different connotations it sounds positive like like humans are good and we should love each other and not kill each other and, and I mean chauvinistic in the sense that we assume the rest of the world the universe should look like us mm-hmm. that's why I'm using chauvinistic um, but one of the ideas is a civilization that progresses further than we are will eventually have to draw on the power of a sun and suck a sun dry Right. That's and looking right. for that uh, looking for evidence of someone sucking a sun dry which I think is a fascinating idea but
0: we're going to talk a bit about that. That's uh, that's such a. That's actually where we're going. Where we're going next? Oh really? Because, um, this goes to something called how do you actually? Well, it's along the lines you're saying. How do we actually find extraterrestrial life? Looking for yeah. radio waves doesn't doesn't seem to be cutting it. And so there's something called the Cardiff scale. Okay. Okay. I don't know I'm, this either. I'm fairly or if sure I I'm do, I've forgotten it. I'm not pronouncing it. But what it does is it describes levels of civilization. Okay? okay. The first level of civilization. Oh, I am familiar right? with this. Yeah. Right? Go on. Um, type 1 uh, type 1 civilization um, is a planetary civilization and it can har- it can use and store all the energy available on its planet. Okay. Okay. So we're not we're not quite a type 1 civilization ourselves. So we're using mm-hmm. some of the energy of our planet. Yeah. Okay. Type 2 harvests the whole sun. All right? And this is what you're describing <laughs> which is the Dyson yeah. sphere. All right? Okay. Or some other kind of technology that surrounds the sun and can use the entire yeah. sun's output. Right, any civilization can, that can do that, they're Type Two. Yeah, and Type Three is something that can harvest the energy of an entire galaxy. All right, they're the, they're they're the big ones.
1: That's that's
0: Galacticus, right? Or it Galactus? Is, what's his name? Galactus is the guy. that I assume
1: planets. he might be in the next major Marvel arc. That would
0: be great if he was. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a so those are the three scales. It seems like we would have already seen Type Three. Um, type yes. two is something <laughs> if which... they're close by we <laughs> would notice <laughs> type two is someone we can actually maybe look for yeah um maybe now's a good break to talk about some science fiction before I go on to my next, my next point
1: alright well let me I so I brought with me Monsters and Mormons mm-hmm. which I co-edited with William Morris it's published by Peculiar Pages it's an excellent book you should all go buy a copy look at how many hundreds of pages it is that's a lot of pages it's got comics it's got mostly fiction uh short stories and a few, couple poems three poems
0: uh-huh.
1: um two that have been relevant to our conversation so far um uh let the mountains tremble for adonai has fallen by stephen peck which uh is kind of like leviathan wakes it's a mormon civilization goes to mars but then they lose contact with earth and they sort of revert to a um medieval culture it's a great story highly recommend it and then another one which is a hugo and nebula winner um we didn't publish it first okay. i should say <laughs> we reprinted it but it's by eric james stone and, and speaking of Leviathans, called um oh shoot and i want to say the name of the novel it that leviathan whom thou hast made which is about aliens who are called swales short for solar whales they sort of mm-hmm. look like whales but they live in suns and they draw and uh, they're pretty cool
0: brigham young famously believed about aliens yeah. living in suns.
1: Yeah, if we believed everything Brigham Young believed, we would not survive very long. <laughs> but I like the idea. Maybe he'll be right. Maybe there will be swales. Happily, that's a great story, happily, by the way. He
0: admitted that. Um, he said that he was just speculating. It was all his own theory.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good that he at least once thought to say that. <laughs> but the swales are cool. How do you baptize a a solar behemoth?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. um with some liquid I suppose yeah (laughs) I mean okay just like the sacrament doesn't need to be wine it could be Mm. water maybe baptismal maybe so I
1: can't remember how it happens don't
0: need to be water there's another
1: Stephen Peck story about a distributed AI who wants to join the church but how do you baptize an AI that's great that's great proxy Sorry, I just spoiled the ending. Oh, no. Proxy is the answer. Apparently that is not in our book, but that's in Stephen Peck's collection, Wandering Realities, which <laughs> is also very good.
0: We're getting somewhere, guys. Don't worry. Yeah. We're going to talk.
1: I have a couple more stories, but we'll save them for later.
0: Okay. What are some... Okay, now, we're going to be moving towards how do you resolve the paradox, okay?
1: Yes. Um, oh, well, I, I wait, mentioned... wait, wait, wait. Before... Sorry. Oh, maybe you first. Okay, and then I,
0: I should have mentioned that modern estimates of the, oh, the Drake's equation... Uh huh. Go are all over the map. They're even much bigger range than what you just what I just told you, all the way from zero. Oh really? To really low. That seems unlikely given that that we're talking here. I
1: feel like if there's one, there has to be two, right? That's one of my. Philosophies of life,
0: right? That makes sense. To, and that's the mediocrity principle, by the way. The mediocrity what principle. What you just said. Oh, uh huh. The fact if there's one, there's probably two. I mean, Why is it called a, the mediocrity principle? The mediocrity principle states that. Um, oh, we we're can't average. be that special. We can't be that. Average, yeah, that I totally
1: believe that. That is that is something I've been trying to convince myself my entire life, and yes. I worry I've over succeeded.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, um, but anyway, they range from, but in a lot of them. There's a lot of rigorous mathematics that have been applied to it trying to figure Vigorous out
1: mathematics that. based on made up numbers.
0: Yes. Well, some numbers are less made up now than they used to That's be. That's good. I and mean, 50 years have passed. And the study of and the science of what of error propagation, okay, lets you given the try if you can try to estimate the uncertainty in your knowledge, mm. you can estimate the range of your possible variables. Right? right. So this is error propagation there's been lots of work on the Drake equation and some of those some of those results are like we shouldn't be surprised if there's no life in the universe. You know, some of, some things like that, not just yeah. our galaxy. We're
1: imagining ourselves.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> no more life. I should say. Yeah. <laughs> but we shouldn't be surprised if it happens. Such a lonely
1: thoughts. thought. Like, once you've accepted the possibility well, really of just, life in the yeah. giant universe, it yeah. seems sad to be alone.
0: Well, and the other 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 side of the range is like teeming with life, of
1: course. Yeah. You know? Right. Which but I personally feel is more likely. So but how to the, the, do we resolve
0: the 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 paradox? Oh, minute. so okay. here's my question. Like okay, your question.
1: I want the paradox in less than ten words.
0: Okay. The paradox in less than ten words. And you're going to make, going to make me count.
1: I'll count for you. You okay. just talk.
0: Given millions of sons. Oh shoot, I don't know that you, I can do
1: You've used 10 half years. your words, yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: millions of sons, question mark? Okay, you just save two words.
0: Millions of sons, question mark. Where are the other
1: so the, so the paradox is essentially, given the potential, where is everybody? Like If there's potential, we should have seen someone.
0: Maybe it's even more clear if I say, given the potential, why can't we find them?
1: Yeah, because the paradox is that we should be able to see them. It shouldn't yeah. be that hard. Right. Just like we can look out and find exoplanets pretty easily now, it should be pretty easy to find life, if life is as common as... doesn't seem crazy to say anymore.
0: So... Once we go through this list of resolutions, where they're gonna, where they're gonna go and where they're gonna Mormonize Mormon um, yeah. cosmology. Yeah,
1: okay? you know what you can't say very easily. What? Okay. Church of Jesus Christ the Latter Day Saints. Eyes. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. <laughs> that's true.
0: Okay. So here we go. Extraterrestrial life is rare or non existence Okay. That's that's the that's one of the solutions. That's One of the solutions. Cheery. It's the rare Earth hypothesis. Right. Is that, mm-hmm. um, it's just you're not... The weird special that, hypothesis. Yeah, the actual... It is that. It's rare. Okay. No other intelligent species have arisen. We're just it.
1: Okay, so life is plenty common, but intelligence is strange. That's right. Got it. If That's you, solution number two. Intelligent alien species
0: lack advanced technology.
1: Right? So, yeah, so, so the problem with these ones so far is... I guess this is mediocrity principle again. Like, given the age of the universe... Yes. And the age of our own planet... It doesn't seem like we should be winning the race right I agree
0: and especially because okay but we'll get to we'll get to that in a second. I'm sure we will the water world hypothesis oh okay the um, that it's hard to get an earth with enough water on it to actually make okay. it likely enough to get all right
1: I want to say that we've already found a, a number of exoplanets with water isn't that true Or like
0: probable water uh, I don't know I don't have a statement for that okay okay here's the, here's here's the one that's that's scary oh dear it is the nature of intelligent life to destroy itself
1: yes i actually find that one very compelling it's called the great filter okay yeah it means that um, you could
0: also call it john's revelation theory right a good way to put it yeah um that in front of us either because either um we're gonna use up all our stuff and then die out yeah or we're gonna blow ourselves up believable we're gonna we're gonna come up Maybe, and and now I'm quoting um, a video that we're going to post. Okay? Oh, okay. It's, called, it's from a, a, a web series that, called Kyrgyzstadt. Kyrgyzstadt. Kyrgyz, Kyrgyzstadt. Kyrgyzstadt. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with that. They're fantastic, and they have a Fermi paradox video. Okay. Maybe th- every civilization invents a technology that it's looks awesome, awesome, but as soon as they turn it on, just blows up their planet. All right. The There's, Dr. of theory. I, yeah, well, the bomb is one of these ideas. Sure. Something even more devastating. Yeah. Okay. Or it is the nature of intelligent life to destroy others. That's why you <laughs> shouldn't but, go looking. Right. That's right. Because maybe you'll you find don't want to attract attention. Okay. Periodic extinction by natural by natural events. You know, eventually periodic gonna, extinction by natural events. Okay. We're going to get hit by a meteor. Sort of planet. like what
1: we've seen in Earth's history already. Right. Okay. There's one I'm going to. I just read about, about really a new weird. one. The explanation for the. End of big animals, but I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, there's there's an I just saw a headline today Mm -hmm. and I didn't have time to read it, but suggested that megalodonts and some other things were which don't seem to be attached to a particular extinction event may just be stars far away blowing up and sending poisonous radiation that destroys things that leaves no record.
0: There you go. So intelligent civilizations are too far apart in space and time, there's not enough resources in the galaxy, nobody else cares to live on planets like once you get oh you leave. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're looking in the wrong place potentially. Or you just turn your plug yourself into a computer and you're done.
1: Oh, this takes us back to episode
0: earlier. Yeah, episode earlier, exactly. It is cheaper to transfer information for exploration before exploration. In other words, you just send a probe out, right, and then you transfer oh. yourself along with the probe.
1: Oh, so this is another artificial intelligence idea.
0: Yeah. Humans just aren't. This is the humans aren't old enough. This is my favorite, yeah. one of my favorites. We're just not listening properly very possible Um, radio signals specifically are only broadcast for a limited amount of time Mm -hmm. and then they go have some other form of communication that we just don't know about. They
1: wouldn't pick up or that we don't know how to listen for.
0: There's isolation colonization is not the norm they are too alien everyone is listening but nobody is transmitting earth (laughs) is deliberately not contacted. Oh yes I have a story for that one too. Which is great. Earth is purposely isolated which is even better. Oh
1: because we're awful
0: it is dangerous to communicate and yeah. the last one of course is they are already here
1: but
0: oh but
1: that's <laughs> the x-files right there so twin peaks
0: all right so lots of possible explanations so yeah range from the terrifying to the interesting
1: mm-hmm. um to the kind of what we sad mormons and boring to,
0: what do we mormons have to say about it
1: well, I would, I mean, I, I feel like we have to be careful here and not to overstate doctrine. I think it's safe to say that we believe there is life elsewhere.
0: Okay. Let's start with King Foll- Follett. Okay. What do you
1: know about him? Uh, he's, he died and Joseph Smith went to his funeral and was sad. It's very. And He gave a nice talk.
0: He gave a very nice talk. Yeah, <laughs> a classic. <laughs>
1: if I'd known we were, in fact, I thought, I think King Follett, like, we have a plan to do a whole King Follett episode someday. But I didn't reread it for today's episode, so I, I don't. I'm not. I don't feel prepared to answer whatever question you're about to ask.
0: Um, we we brought it up in an early episode, right? Didn't did. I spring it on you once? I did, and I didn't know much about it at the time. Um, it's very interesting. The King Follett discourse. So it's a person's name. His name. He was not himself. He, a he king. was
1: actually named King. His name was he King. He had some of those kind of parents, mm-hmm.
0: right? So it was an address delivered at Nauvoo, Illinois, by Joseph Smith. Yeah. Right? April 7th, 1944, three months before he died. And during this doctrine, during this talk, he synthesized a lot of the teachings that he had already been giving.
1: Yeah. Right? Keen Follett is not canonized as doctrine, but it's quasi canonized because so many things we think we believe as Latter day Saints mm-hmm. aren't necessarily in the Doctrine and Covenants, or not in a way that necessarily leads to the way we understand it, With unless you're familiar with the Keen Follett discourse. That's where a lot of our ideas come from. Tell me more. Um, well, like the whole idea that uh, we understand. The only way to understand God is to understand who God is and that he is uh, like us and was even more like us and that we can become like him and um, God is an exalted man. The, that's that's all Keen Follett stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: These are radical Mormon ideas that make a lot of people not like us, but this is where they come from.
0: Well, listen, I didn't actually know the history behind it until I did a bit of research for this. Mm-hmm. And... Um,
1: While I was watching Endgame?
0: Yeah. (laughs) So the idea is that, um, you're right, it's not canonized, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't even transcribed.
1: Like a lot of things he said.
0: Okay, well, fair enough. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Does this one, where does this one come from? Did Wilford Butcher write this down? There
0: were three people that took notes. Okay. Right? Um, All right. So there was someone that was taking shorthand named Thomas Bullock. William Clayton was doing longhand notes. Willard Richards was taking minutes, and Wilfred Woodruff also took extensive no- contemporaneous notes and transferred them to his journal with edi- with editorializations. Mm-hmm. But his original notes were not preserved, if he so, had any. One author, Cyril, estimates that the surviving notes comprise thirty percent of the actual address,
1: Okay. but
0: that together we've That's got. That's another. The topics. What
1: was the fancy word you had for? making up numbers and making them sound scientific. <laughs> statistics. Arrow... Aero... <laughs>
0: propagation. Error
1: propagation. This sounds like er- historical arrow propagation. There you
0: go. <laughs> so essentially it was reconstructed. They put together a version that they think is pretty good. Right. Which sounds very much... Sounds very New Testament to me. Oh, no, wh- why do you say that? So this... One of the whole... I know, we've, we're, uh, we're... No, di- it's fine. We're, di- we're digressing a lot today. One of the... We're having fun. One of the... Um, Maybe I should say Old Testament instead, but <laughs> you know these these old Bible books, right? Yeah. Where um, somebody originally just wrote them down some stories. Oh yeah. Right, and then it got you know translated in a bunch. And right. There's a lot off. of intermediaries. There's this this particular just dis- maybe one of the reasons it hasn't been officially canonized, is because. Um, we
1: can't really say thus saith the Lord. We
0: we can't right? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, President Lorenzo Snow summarized it and he said as man now is God once was as God now is man may be yes so that's kind of the focus of the of the discourse
1: yes it's a big one
0: it's a big focus and I don't want to actually cover that so much as I want to cover the other stuff ah, this is the part I wanted to talk about for canonization right yes it, it was originally not part of the history of the church which is that you know long series of books yes but in 1950, it was included in the revised edition of the History of the Church. In 1950, then, you said yes. Okay. And then in 71, it was published in the uh, in the Ensign.
1: Yes, I just had that open. Yeah. It's
0: not the longest version. Yeah. So, the some of the topics. All right. Um. Regard. So it talks about the fundamental nature of reality, the nature and character of God, humans' potential to become gods, and that tie between the living and their progenitors. Right? hmm But so this is kind of the Mormon cosmology, right? Is yeah. That not only does God exist, right? But that our existence parallel parallelizes. Yes. Six and parallels in your parallel. <laughs> um, uh, other 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 existences. Yes. Okay. And including other Whatever worlds. Whatever that means. Other world other worlds, like it says in the Doctrine and Covenants. There's a wonderful Wikipedia article called Mormon cosmology. All right. Okay. And this is. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's awesome. All right. And the part that I wanted to focus on is other worlds and extraterrestrial life. This is kind of some actually summarized in um, the you know Encyclopedia Encyclopedia of Mormonism, right? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is an old book. <laughs> All right. From um, gonna... yeah, about 20 years ago. Yeah, 92. Probably.
1: 92, longer. Ago. Okay.
0: okay. And here's what it, this is by Johnson Hollis, and he, and what he does is he summarizes a lot of the scriptures about it. Okay, and I'll just quote what it says. Like contemporary pluralists, Joseph Smith's system implied innumerable stellar systems with inhabited planets. <laughs> In addition, Joseph saw, taught that old physical worlds pass away, and new ones
1: he was way ahead of the ball on that okay one.
0: this is in, and this is also talked about in moses yes so that's moses 135 and 38 worlds are governed hierarchically that's abraham three each system of worlds has its own laws it's in dnc 88 do modern geology
1: even exist at this point i, I don't like know he is
0: so far ahead of things jesus christ is the creator of all these worlds and that's in the dnc people assigned to different levels of glory inhabit different worlds DNC seventy six. Mm-hmm. The Earth has been the most wicked of all worlds, which is an interesting doctrine. That's yeah. Moses seven. That's a fun one. Resurrected <laughs> beings also reside on worlds. DNC eighty eight. And other worlds exist in both time oh, and space. Oh, I
1: see where you're going with the resolution here.
0: Okay. Okay. This is the resolution: is that yes, there are aliens. They are but us. They are us. <laughs> <laughs> this is one potential resolution,
1: yeah. right? Resurrected beings don't need to talk to us. They're like. Ugh. It's yeah. like it's like They'll it's like here. walking down in the middle school to talk to kids. Why would you do that? You don't want to talk to those kids,
0: right? Um, it's the awkward stage. So, the prevailing so the Wikipedia article about this says has the following quote: the prevailing view among Mormons is that God once lived on a planet with His own higher God. Right. Okay. So that's what the Wikipedia article says yes is this true now let me before you answer okay. let me tell you the sources because the sources are curious i don't doubt it they cite a bbc article okay, okay really called religions and explanation of mormon beliefs about god and they cite mormonism for dummies oh my friend <laughs> wrote that book oh your friend yeah jana reese
1: yeah Okay. Well, uh, it's probably a stretch. I, I was thinking of a different book, but I do know Jen And she, oh yeah, she co-wrote that with Chris Bigelow. Mm-hmm. Chris Bigelow is, is my friend of me. Oh,
0: that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so Mormonism for dummies. So this is, so those are the sources. So do yeah. you agree with this statement? So. Is this what the Mormons believe?
1: So I'm going to say yes, okay. we do. I would also say that Salt Lake would backpedal on that a little bit. Well, he, they in their attempts to make us not weird.
0: I remember when I was a kid. Watching President Hinckley being yes. interviewed on Sixty Minutes. Okay. Yes. And you were a kid. Well, I wasn't a kid. I was on my mission. How younger yeah. are you? No, no, no. I, I wasn't a kid. You're right. Okay. <laughs> you and I are about the same.
1: That's <laughs> what I thought. Yeah. All of a sudden, you got younger in the last few
0: episodes. <laughs> so, um, he, uh, yeah, he said that so he was asked that question. Um, you know, br- there's the statement, "As God is, man once was." Yeah. And so forth. What does that mean? And, you know, President Hinckley, what he said was, essentially, I don't know. And anybody who says they know, you know, they don't know what they're... They don't know either. Yeah. So, this is the the backpedaling I think you're talking a punt, about. a yeah. And I think that... Because he... Rec- I think he probably recognized that he was, you know, in an, re- in an official role at that point. Right. And I also think that's very honest. Yeah.
1: I think to pretend that we know exactly what this means is foolish. Yeah. Um, that said, I would... I would say that the way it was phrased is essentially what the average Latter-day Saint, at least the average American Latter-day Saint, yeah, God believes once lived
0: on a planet with his own higher God. Yes, right?
1: I think that is what we tend to believe.
0: It is, but we don't. It's not um, like you say. It's, it's something that's in our psyche. Yeah. Right. But it isn't in.
1: It's not going to be in a Sunday school manual. It's not in a Sunday, probably not even said in Sunday school, except for in certain school. weird Sunday schools in certain rural towns, and <laughs> you know where I'm talking about. Now.
0: <laughs> um, so. I've always thought this doctrine was interesting, yes. And, um, and while it does, it always made sense to me because the family is a family, right? Right. You know, God and children and all that kind of thing, <laughs> but um, but it does, it pre- prevent, presents its own set of intellectual challenges on its own, of course.
1: It does, and um, you know, as it turtles all the way down. Yeah. Um, or up. Or up, as, yeah. <laughs> if you're thinking. <laughs> fourth dimensionally um oh. bruce r mcconkey who i don't feel a great need to um bow to mm-hmm. um considered the idea that the idea that god is still learning and progressing is a heresy
0: right i've heard that before
1: yeah and that that's not what it means that god you know
0: what does the phrase eternal progression mean
1: He says, eternal progression consists of living the kind of life God lives and of increasing in kingdoms and dominions everlastingly. Eternal progression means getting more stuff. To me, this is a very American idea of God, (laughs) and I don't feel super comfortable with it. Um, Like, not not that I am rejecting the idea that God might not be growing in stuff, but I think that kind of misses the beauty of the whole thing, that... You know what does it mean to become like God to get more stuff? That's not super satisfying.
0: So to be clear, the scripture does clearly state that worlds without number have I created, right? Yes. And um, that those essentially those worlds have people on them. Right. right. That's what the scriptures say. That's what DNC says.
1: Yeah, but what does that mean? Worlds without number. That's that's not very precise. Yeah. And and God in the DNC has a history of saying hyperbolic things to give us the idea without necessarily being completely accurate
0: which i mean considering the science at the time was probably the best way to go about things
1: sure yeah and and maybe still is like i i i think that there's and i didn't see this as a resolution i mean maybe maybe i can see how a couple might have been relevant but i think one of the problems here is um there's always the possibility that there's something about our consciousness where we like it's just something we can't understand like um like, this, this is a problem in studies of consciousness, right? Can the, can the conscious mind fathom itself? Uh, and I think this, this is the same kind of question when trying to comprehend another consciousness, especially an alien consciousness or God's consciousness. Like, do we really understand this stuff? And that's why I think President Hinckley was being very honest. Like, what does it mean? I don't know. I don't know if I'm capable of knowing. Like, I can imagine. I can write a great story about it. Do I understand it? No.
0: The entire Mormon cosmology article is really worth reading. Um, it's a good... It's. It's got lots of good sources. And it's very nice. Um, I've always thought that the answer... This is my own opinion, about, and, I, and I don't hold it very strongly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I always thought that the conclusion to Mormon cosmology and the Drake equation is... What they is these two of these last items from the Fermi Paradox article. Earth is deliberately not contacted. Okay.
1: I have a short story for that one.
0: Okay, and Earth is purposefully isolated.
1: Which is that's interesting. Okay. Are we quarantined or not quarantined? It's
0: just that this is a preparatory time.
1: Ah, uh, so this this is the Mormon one in your this opinion. This is my opinion. Yeah. This
0: is the um, the Mormon one. Now the reason I don't hold this opinion very strongly is because I could easily see another version of this, where God has put us on this planet to try to and expects us to one day leave it, right?
1: I actually think that seems very likely, and this ties into uh, my constant mentioning. And someday we'll do an episode on this that I don't believe in the millennium. <laughs> I, I think that a more what likely solution two
0: of my um, of my associates crazy. Okay. That you don't believe in the money no, or this you think... this comment Oh that of you mine and I made. Well, <laughs> I kind of was interested in it, right? Yeah. Um back way back on episode one. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're gonna have to do we're gonna have to come back and cover this because it may, it drives them crazy. They they think we're very wrong. And I think they have some
1: good points. Oh, I would agree anybody has a good point when they disagree with me on this point. <laughs> but I do think, like, my understanding of God, I think it's much more likely that something like God wants us to leave this planet or some sort of, like, transhumanist philosophy. Like, I think there are better explanations of millennialism than the millennial. Mm-hmm. Or the millennium. I, I feel like the millennium is a way of explaining it to our simple minds. and But the real solution is going to be something much more awesome. Tell me a story. Uh... Relative to what we're doing,
0: Earth is deliberately not contact.
1: All right. So, um, also in Monsters and Mormons, okay. um, the short story, Bokhev Momen, some aliens flying through space who are polygamous, by the way. Of <laughs> um, They come across a dead spaceship. All spaceships are living because the only way to travel through hyperspace is through these living creatures that have learned how, have not learned how to do it artificially. And these particular aliens are short, little gray guys with big eyes. You may have seen them. Yeah. On television. I have. They are not good at respecting the do not contact list Mm -hmm. of which Earth is on. Oh. And from this alien spaceship, which has died and its staff has also died, they rescue a not-dead human whose name is Elder Christensen. Mm -hmm. And Elder Christensen um, shares with these aliens a Book of Mormon and a picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. And the aliens are startled because every civilization in the galaxy believes in an anointed one who has certain wounds but no one has an explanation for the wounds no one's sure where the story started and to discover this religion which all alien species share on a do not contact planet mm-hmm. is um startling
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh it's a fun story it's a very fun story it's worth reading
0: yeah um
1: so oh, i should give the author's name i'm sorry d michael martinson d. Mar- Martin, Martindale let me double check Martin Martin something um Martin Dale
0: The story is it's, it's obviously very good and very entertaining and I'd like to like to read it it reminds it sounds a bit chauvinistic to me using your term Yeah go ahead So and this comes back to what we mentioned earlier this scripture that talks about the earth being the most wicked planet right Yeah right about how Christ came here and atoned for this Yeah for this where world. is it
1: somebody said an early leader that our planet is the only one wicked enough to kill the messiah.
0: Right. Which I always thought was... This is, the, this is one of the parts of Mormon co- cosmology that, in my opinion, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't jive. And if it's in the Doctrine and Covenants, of course, you know... We, 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 well... <laughs> after,
1: after what we said last week, I don't know if we can say that. So.
0: <laughs> I respect the Doctrine and Covenants, yes. of course. Um, and um, this, this Doctrine to me, defeats the mediocrity principle. Yes.
1: Yeah, so instead of being exceptional, we are exceptionally wicked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which, which to me, is in, goes against, uh, goes in the opposite direction. Like, I don't yeah. see, just like when I was a, when I was a kid, I, was, I always marveled that I happened to end up in the true church.
1: Right. Right? And now you get to marvel that you live on the one planet where Jesus came to. Right.
0: Both of these always seemed too convenient to me. Yes. I've, I've grown to, you know, accept the the first one, of course, mm-hmm. right? I do believe in the church and its teachings and Book of Mormon. I feel very fortunate to be a, to be so, and I accept that as just a fluke of, you know, being I don't know, lucky, I guess. Yeah. And then, um, but the other one, I don't know. I don't know. I've never. This is one I've never really bought, and I've always been. I've always wondered if it isn't perhaps misinterpreted or, or miscommunicated somehow
1: well i mean the atonement is already something that which we're pleased to admit we can't understand right so who knows how many ways we misunderstand it
0: um i love talking about aliens, and aliens <laughs> okay i really think that our church has this perspective this phrase this scripture in moses 1 33 33 okay um it's the one that I've always really loved, okay? And it says, and worlds without number have I created, and I also created them for mine own purpose. And by the Son I created them, which is mine only begotten. Okay. Right? This, this, this scripture has always caught my, caught my attention, mm-hmm. right? In the movie Contact, right, the little girl has the radio. She's sitting with her dad, right, and she's tuning in. Yeah. Right? This is my version of, of that many worlds out there. Yeah. It's dizzying to think about. It's also very it's also very comforting. When if you're not a member of the church and you look out into the unknown and see nobody, it's very lonely. Yes. But I look out into the unknown and see I family. see family family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm pro this belief. I think it's uh I think instead of something that we should be nervous about every time Mitt Romney's on TV. Mm-hmm. It's something that we should really embrace and promote because I, I feel this is a doctrine that um, human society is going to need. If they don't need it now, they will need it soon. Mm-hmm. I think this is something we should be promoting.
0: And it is a nice resolution, you know. Don't worry about it. We'll find them, and we'll yeah. Whether or not they they look like us is irrelevant, of course.
1: It's a fun question, <laughs> but yeah.
0: But uh, we just know that they're out there. We have brothers and sisters literal brothers and sisters that aren't living on this planet.